going through all of this history and seeing what Don Bosco was faced with uh, as a kid in his education, but then also when he was trying to start the oratory and then when he was starting to start the congregation, what was his, what is his theme? What did he, what did he want his young people to be? Good Christians, honest citizens. Good Christians, honest citizens. Or how difficult that would have been because at that time period, you were either a good Christian, mm. right? You were either for the, the church and the monarchy and the old way and, or you were a citizen of Italy. You were, you know, fighting for the Republic. You were fighting for independence. You were fighting for unification. Then you have this crazy Don Bosco who is, who is teaching his kids how to be a good Christian and an honest citizen and to how, how those two things go together. Welcome back, everybody, to Valdoco's Legion Family Podcast. I'm Father Steve. I'm Vicky. And I'm Amy. And we're back here for episode two of this Don Bosco series, I guess we're going to call it. Series season. Series, 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 season. <laughs> but of uh, St. John Bosco, his life. And I'm trying to give something of what I learned. My province sent so me generous. down to Ecuador. They paid for me to go down to Ecuador. I spent three weeks last year, three weeks this year, learning about the life of St. John Bosco. And I'm supposed to have something to show for it. Amy, doesn't that, don't you think that makes him like an expert? That sounds like an expert. I think he's By an today's expert. standard, Dr. For John sure. Bosco. <laughs> Dr. Father Steve. <laughs> three weeks, six weeks of class. And now I am an expert. But yeah. no, so I only have six weeks. And I've been a Salesian for, I joined when I was in. 2010. How many so years is that now? It's got like 13 keep years. Saying 10. <laughs> 13 years, 13 years. But uh, so each episode will be kind of a kind of a theme or section of his life. And I'm going to talk and then hopefully Amy and Vicky will ask questions or some more insights into what they've learned, um, different things. So this I'm is quizzing. an episode. Please quiz us. Yeah, I'll try to quiz. Thanks. But this I hate is a, pop quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> but really... With all this in mind, this is meant for like a, a resource that we can send to people who are just meeting the Legion family or who want to listen to a little bit more about Don Bosco. Or maybe this will be so bad that somebody will step up and be like, I'm going to do it better. I'm open to that. This season is, or not this season, this uh, episode is really just going to be the history. So I'm going to try to keep all the history together and just kind of see, I'm not such a history person. It's hard for me to like dates or those kind of things, but I do enjoy like recognizing that people are born into a specific period and how much that period shapes what happens to them. And it just, for me, it was amazing to see Don Bosco placed into, into this context. And then he had to relate and he benefited and it was difficult. And the, the way we are now, the Salesians of St. John Bosco are who we are. And a lot of it has to do with the history. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the context, with the social context, the political, con political context, the ecclesial, like the church context. So trying to just go into that quickly. So you'll... Just hear a lot of names. I'm not going to go through one. I can't go through all the details, but at least that we can kind of see in this context, this was going on. These were some of the things that happened um, and that kind of shaped who St. John Bosco was or the kind of uh, context that he was, he was brought up into. No, so we know that St. John Bosco was born August 16th, 1815, right? I knew that. Yeah. You know that? Amy and I just talked about that. Yep. We know the year. Yep. 1815. So just to give like a, try to give a context, okay? Um, going all the way, just like what was happening beforehand and then what was happening at that time when he was born and then a little bit after and throughout his life, what was going on? If we go all the way back, even like the dates of like the Enlightenment period, 
who were talking about after the Middle Ages, whatever. And then we're seeing all this like reason and we're starting to see people, I guess, think less about kind of the superstition or less about God and more about natural law, more about reason, these kind of things. And then we're going to go all the way now into um, like the French Revolution, to the end of the 18th century. We know the French Revolution, um, this liberty, equality, fraternity, really kind of what we saw of, of trying to get rid of that hierarchy or the way that the society was made of the, the noble class, the monarchy, the king, and then all the different until you have like the peasants at the bottom, you start to see this big revolution in the French Revolution. And then one big date that we could talk about is that July 14th in 1789, no, the storming of the Bastille. And we just see this, this big revolution of, of ideas changing, of social context changing, church changing, all of this has happening at the end of the 18th century, um, 1789. And then we see like religious things closing. We see the monasteries closing. We see the reign of terror, September 2nd through the 5th, 1792. Um, the separation of church and state by 1795 in France. So we're seeing all of these ideas like it used to be church was on top, church, king. This is the way things were set up. And then now slowly these things are being challenged. Um, we have the... Declarations of the Rights of Man, Thomas Paine, 1791, 1792. Um, the of King Louis the 16th, 1793. And then the rise of Napoleon, 1794, 1804, 1804. Um, he's crowned emperor. He crowns himself emperor. We're just seeing like all of these things, especially when it comes to, to us who are in the church or just recognizing all of these changes that are happening right before St. John Bosco was born. Um, so we have the, that Battle of Waterloo in uh, 1815, right? June 18th, 1815. That's the day, that's the year St. John Bosco was born. So we just see this big change, you know, from church, this hierarchy, this monarchy, this king, and then French Revolution, where things are starting to, to get unraveled. Um, and then we see Napoleon rise, and then his expansion, this French expansion all throughout Europe, um, and to see all of that. And then in 1815, he is, he is defeated. And then we have this, what's called the, the Congress of Vienna. <laughs> I'm reading all of this. I'm reading all of this right here. But I'm just, his brain. Don't be fooled. Just to, just to throw out dates. No, just to throw out names of like the context and everything. So then after 1815, we have this Congress of Vienna, which tries to restore all of the, restore to go back to where it was before. To, distort, to restore the monarchy, restore the kings, restore the church, um, to really have the way the society was organized to go back to that. Um, and so this was 1815 to 1830. This is the restoration. So they're trying to go back to the way it was. So all of those French Revolution ideas of liberty, of equality, of fraternity, all of these, um, you know, trying to all of these ideas that wanted the, you know, the rights of man and no longer these societal classes and, and trying to, um, you know, really to, to bring about this revolution. All of that was kind of squashed. Um, and from, for 15 years, really, at least in the, the northern part of Italy, that 1815 to 1830, there was kind of this, this restoration that we realized that there was no real Italy. But just to recognize that we have Italy all divided, a lot of it was, was run by, from Austria, right, from France. So there's no like Italy at that time. It's just a bunch of different kingdoms that we have where Turin is of Piemont, um, this place that it was really run the kingdom of Sardinia. Um, the House of Savoy, these things. So we're just recognizing that Italy is all divided into a bunch of different kingdoms. 
And at this period, they're, they're really trying to like restore the way that it was before. Did any of that make sense? Yes. Was Italy, so during the French Revolution, Italy was already, Italy had never been restored, right? No, there was no, yeah. Yeah, there was Italy no was Italy. not Italy right. until afterwards. So it, it had always been kingdoms. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was always, yeah, just divided up into different kingdoms. That's why you have all the different dialects, all the different traditions, all those kind of things, because it was really just a bunch of different kingdoms. Um, there was no, there wasn't even a thought of Italy at that time. Um, but then with the French Revolution and then Napoleon, you start to get people thinking about, wow, this could be, this could be a country. Okay. This could be a unified country, a unified government. And so, because we see with Napoleon that he, he redoes the, like the court system, he redoes the educational system. He makes it so that the primary school is like, uh, is mandatory, is compulsory for, for, for kids. Um, you see the court system, the, the justice and the laws are, are recodified. It's not so much, because back in the day, it was a lot of uh, like families or a lot of old laws or a lot of laws that are based on, you know, the class system, or there was a, a lot of people who didn't have rights. A lot of the different religions didn't have rights. A lot of, uh, you know, peasants. There was just a lot of things that were unfair or were antiquated. And Napoleon really does a lot. Um, okay, he's, a, he's an emperor. He's doing a lot of bad things. But he's also updating a lot of agricultural industry, court system, feudal law, all of these things. And people are starting to see, okay, maybe it is possible to have a unified thing that we call, uh, that we call Italy. And so a lot of things you can... Obviously, people write books about this, and there's all of these things. But just to see, this is the context of where Damascus was born, right? So we see 1815, um, and then he's living his first 15 years of what's called in the Restoration. So living in an, a part of the northern, what we call northern Italy, but in this part where the church is still, like they're trying to restore the way it was before. Um, so, right, education was all done by the priests. Um, there's a big push of trying to restore the faith of everything into, uh, into the church. So we have missionary preaching. We'll talk about that at a later time because it's the missionary preaching that Don Bosco goes to the town and that's where he meets Cafaso, like all of these things. So seeing this related that in that 1815 to 1830, there's this big resurgence of, of trying to restore uh, the way everything was uh, before uh, before the French Revolution, before, the, uh, before Napoleon, and, and all those things. Um, and so this is that th the first part, 1815 to 1830. So was that, was that only happening in the House of Savoy? So only where Don Bosco was? Or was that happening throughout all the kingdoms? No, I think in the, the North... restoration. Yeah, I think it was mostly, mostly in northern, like northern Italy. Okay. In, the, in the south, they, you know, they were part as, as they were trying to unify. Okay, they... Then there was things in Naples and Southern Italy okay. and different things. But I think a lot of it was happening in Turin was like the capital. There was so much happening in Northern, in Northern Italy in that Turin, Piedmont area. Um, a lot of the ideas, a lot of the French Revolution ideas, a lot of the different things that were going on, a lot of the, the literature that was being written, a lot of the political activists, they were really active yeah. in this part. You know, a lot of it was in confrontation with, with Austria. A lot of it was in confrontation with France. Um, trying to establish themselves as a, as a country. Um, and so we see that in the beginning. And then just to go over quickly, like to see the other half, because you have 1815 to 1830 is this the restoration. 
But then after 1830, you begin to see what, I don't know, in Italian or in Spanish, the resurgimiento, uh, but the revival of trying then, okay, now we're going to push. Now there's all of this talk of United Italy. There's all of this talk of, of breaking from Austria, breaking from France, breaking from the church, um, trying to establish like a republic, this government, this run by the people. And, uh, and so there's a big push of freedom of press. Um, and they begin to expel the Jesuits. It always seems to be the Jesuits. The Jesuits are expelled. Um, they have the civil marriage. Education is starting to be, be done by the state rather than by the clerics, rather by the church. Um, they're taking church goods. There's suppressing of religious orders. Right? All of that is happening from 1848 until Italy is unified in 1861 and 1871. So all of this stuff is happening at the time of Don Bosco. No? The church trying to restore itself. The, the people and government and state trying to say, no, this is, this is a new thing. This is Italy. This is, we're going to take care of the education. We are, we are going to provide, we are going to create the state, um, you know, all of these things. And so for me, the, one of the greatest things that I learned down there in Ecuador, going through all of this history and seeing what Don Bosco was faced with uh, as a kid in his education, but then also when he was trying to start the oratory and then when he was starting to try the congregation, what was his, what is his theme? What did he, what did he want his young people to be? Good Christians, honest citizens. Good Christians, honest citizens. And for me, they really pushed this idea that like how absurd that was or how difficult that would have been because at that time period, you were either a good Christian, mm. right? You were either for the, the church and the monarchy and the old way and conservative and like ready, ready to like, okay, the Pope and this is what we need. Or you were a citizen of Italy. You were you know, fighting for the Republic, you were fighting for independence, you were fighting for your unification. And so to see how then you have this crazy Don Bosco who is, who is teaching his kids how to be a good Christian and an honest citizen and to how, how those two things go together. And so how important education was for him and how he was able to, he had to be political in one way or another, but he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily, a re, he wasn't a revolutionary in the sense of he was, because there were some priests who were, who were going off into the war, right? They had the War of 1848, 1849, and they were priests going out there to fight with the kids. Um, and so there's one example of, of somebody who actually started one of the oratories before Don Bosco. His name was Don Koki. And he was, he was one who worked with orphans. He did a lot of work in the city of Turin. He was really regarded as such a, like a holy priest. Somebody who was really there for the people, there for the poor. Um, and he ended up going off to war and he left the oratory, all the boys, and he went and, you know, they lost the war and he came back, you know, as we were doing the reading or whatever, he came back kind of humiliated. He came back kind of defeated. And then he had some time like away. The oratory was actually ended up being taken from him and given to Don Bosco. So we were reflecting down in Ecuador a little bit about, okay, Don Bosco would have seen that. He knew that his life was for the kids. He was doing everything he could to try to make them flourish in whatever in whatever future was going to happen. Because at that time, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? There's no Italy yet. There's no, like the church is being talked bad against. There's bad press against. There's uprisings. There's closing religious places. Um, but then you also have a lot of this revolutionary, violent kind of idea as well going on at the same time. And so Don Bosco educating the young people to be good Christians and honest citizens, to learn a trade, to be a good member of society, to, to learn how to dialogue, to learn how to yeah, really survive in this kind of chaotic world, for me was, uh, was really beautiful to see. I didn't really know all of the, 
the historical like conflict and how difficult it would have been for Don Bosco in that time period or how confusing it would have been for the boys. Like whose side are you on? You know, so at a certain point, a lot of people, almost all of the boys left to go to the war, to go fight for like the Republic, to fight unify, to unify Italy. And, and Don Bosco was there left alone. Um, so to see these kind of political struggles then to still be like in our constitutions, in our tradition, like the love of the Pope, we, we are obedient. We, we love the Pope and that continues today. How to keep those two things together for me was, was really a beautiful, a beautiful insight into the person of St. John Bosco, his creativity, but really his love for the boys and, and being able to be, do anything that he could so that they would survive, so that they would thrive in, in the society, being able to be adaptable and, and to learn what they need to learn so that they could be uh, yeah, really successful in the world and, and work towards transforming the, the society. The society is going through a huge upheaval. And here you have this guy who is, is doing everything he can to educate and to evangelize the, the, the young people of, of turning the poor, abandoned kids. That was great. Yeah, right. Take that on the road with Father Mike Pace. <laughs> That's what we really need to get. Well, Father Mike Pace, if you ever listen to this, you should be doing these things. Are you there? Are it's you us. There? Yeah, though, I think it's because like, I hadn't I haven't heard that before. Like the just like the, you know, you hear it in bits and pieces when you like learn about St. John Bosco. And then when you do visit, you do get bits and pieces from from the guides. But um, I think even just to. Yeah, to hear it, I guess, the way that you learned it in the like context of like, OK, good Christian and honest citizen, like to see it like that. And then to think I didn't know that the boys like went off to war like I didn't I don't know enough history of Italy. I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, that they would have gone off to war and that, and that idea, because I, I think it's, you know, whatever elections will come, election seasons will come, but that it's, you know, whatever, it's always difficult to pick a side and both sides can be right at some point, but like, what are you doing to then better the society in general, right? To like be a thriving member of society, no matter this, because sometimes, you know, politics feels way above your everyday life. It affects your everyday life 100%, right? Like leaders affect our life, but like the way that we contribute and the people that we are also like has a greater effect on, on who we are and, and what that means for, for our world. So it's like a, a beautiful concept to think that, I don't know, and it feels like also an explanation to like why St. John Bosco then really focused on like young people and the most at risk. They would have been the ones like left behind out of out of systems, um, which like, okay, we know, but yeah, just a like good clarifying history. Thanks so much, professor. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to hear the whole context. Um, I think a lot of times when I hear about St. John Bosco or just saints in general, they'll talk about maybe the time period in generality. So maybe they'll say like industrial revolution or it was, you know, 1800s. But as someone who doesn't really study a lot of history and my free time like okay those words mean something to me but I don't have the full idea of everything that was taught to me in school about mm -hmm. those time periods and so I think what happens a lot is we say the generalities we have associations with that and then we only talk about that point in history with regards to that person so we may say like oh well St. John Bosco did this and this year because of that but when you speak about it in just like this is a general historical context of what's happening, like it really gives like him as a person 
like that real humanity. Mm -hmm. Like you're actually talking about this person in history and this was going on the same way that like we are people in history and this is what's going on for us today. And not just making everything kind of like part of their story, but them part of a bigger picture, a bigger story. And that kind of just gives more dimension for me than just like all of history revolving around the person that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. like this person being part of this larger history. And so like for me, it's, it's kind of like when reading genealogies in the Bible that like really this is something that happened in time that this person was responding to that we today can also respond to. And then it makes that call to be saints today and to be like not a copy and paste saint of someone else, but really responding to today's needs. Like it makes it so much more realistic to actually have a full historical picture of their country, the surrounding countries, what's going on in the world. And like you were saying, Vicky, like, like it was a very unstable time, but it's not like everything was so easy to say like, well, this was good and this was bad. Like it was a time when you're going through all of that and saying, okay, the rights that they're fighting for are good rights. But at the same time, we're also killing people over it. (laughs) And at the same time, we're also kicking the church out. And so like having to struggle through all that, and it's not a new thing. This is always what's been happening. And to find that balance of what St. John Bosco was calling the boys to do, good Christians, honest, honest citizens. Like, it's just also encouraging to be like, we've been struggling with this political structure in so many different shapes and forms with kings, without kings. And, um, and someone's been there before and is a friend for us today to figure out our current way of how to, to kind of be that saint now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are, you know, there's a few out there who, who want to take Don Bosco. They love Don Bosco and they want to take Don Bosco of, of 19th century and they want to take him and they want to put him here and just like do everything the way he did or his spirituality then. And, and that's not the way he worked. No, he, he said that he, he wrote his memoirs and things. And he said that divine providence always guided me, but also the events of his life. Mm -hmm. So he, he was very much a guy who had his heart in heaven, but his feet on the ground. Like he knew God was there. He had confidence. He had divine providence was always going to provide, but he adapted and he, to the people that he met, the circumstances of his surroundings, of everything, that have those two things of divine providence and the events of your life, right? That's exactly also what Vatican II is calling us to, to read the signs of times, but also to, to maintain our tradition as well. So trying to keep these two things together. Um, so, you know, okay, we can learn about Don Bosco's historical reality, but we are here now. So we learn from him, but also we have to see, okay, what is our political church, our so- social context? We, how do we respond to always keeping the young people like as our as our focus? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that for me in this whole craziness, Don Bosco gave everything for the young people that were in front of him. Awesome. <laughs> so this is kind of how it's going to go. Uh, it's not going to be all history. So next episode, we're going to kind of go through St. John Bosco, but really focus on Mama Margaret. Uh, episode two, this next episode after this would be more on, on Mama Margaret, St. John Bosco born, his early childhood, and kind of what was going on at, the, at that time for when he was, you know, when he was a young kid, and all the struggles that he had to go through, and how that really played into who he was when he, when he grew up. So stay tuned. We'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> okay, everybody. So we'll end with a prayer. Okay. Either of you want to pray? Me? Yeah. Okay. It's me, I guess. Okay. Played rock paper scissors last time. <laughs> God got comfortable. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of today, 
And we thank you for this opportunity to learn more about uh, your church here on earth um, and the people that you have placed um, throughout history to help us, I don't know, sit here and listen and learn today together. We thank you for the gift of the Salesian family for um, the very beginning, for the roots of it um, that have just been stirring for a long time and growing and growing deeper. Um, we just ask that you continue to um, take care of those that are um, part of our family uh, that are listening. Um, we entrust all of this to you as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Mary Pope Christians, pray for us. St. John Bosco, pray for us. St. Francis de Sales, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.